0: Okay class, today we're gonna start with the basics. Hello, guys, and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. I'm Eric. Thank you guys for joining us today. Just a quick update about these episodes moving on. uh, We have recorded these episodes months ago, months before their published date, right after the coronavirus pandemic really hit the United States. Uh, This series is recorded with two of my friends from all across the country. So the quality, the audio quality, is a, is down a little bit because we did have to use Skype. And we had to record through Skype. So I apologize if the audio isn't quite what you're used to. Uh, but the conversation is of course great as usual. So just know that these conversations were recorded uh, months in advance. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the conversation that we had as we continue to discuss what is the gospel. Let's get growing. To a- Continuing episode two of our What is the Gospel series, and I'm here uh, with my buddies uh, Daniel Hints, Hello. And Paul Wells. Hi. And if you uh, did not listen to last episode, these guys introduced themselves, uh, so they are not part of uh, New Life. They are not even in the vicinity of New Life. Uh, Paul is down in the Wichita, Kansas area, and Daniel is up in the Great North Woods, somewhere, probably being raised by wolves at this point. Uh, but up in Wisconsin, and so we're glad to have uh, both of these guys here with us. Uh, we are continuing in our conversation on the gospel and what it is, and so the three of us come from different backgrounds, uh, different denominational backgrounds, and we're just having a conversation uh, about the gospel around this book by N.T. Wright called Simply Good News. And each week, we're going to be looking at a chapter from N.T. Wright's book, and uh, and then we're going to be discussing it and using him as a conversation partner. Um, and kind of he's leading us through the next eight weeks. Um, so each week we're going to get together and uh, one of us is going to kind of overview the chapter and then we're going to have a conversation about it and uh, some of the topics that NT Wright pulls up uh, and we're going to just like, kind of let the conversation go uh, from there. So to get started here, Paul, why don't you give us an overview of, of chapter two, which is what we'll be discussing today.
1: Yeah. Um, so so if we remember last time we talked about the differences between, um, in chapter one, the difference between good news and um, advice. And, and we talked about how the, um, the gospel is good news and that good news has essentially three characteristics. It's that uh, it's something that has happened in context of a bigger story that has changed the overall trajectory of the story and um, because of that, we're now sort of waiting for the conclusion of the story, and we're in this interim, interim period. And so continuing in that theme, um, uh, NT really spends a, pretty much all of Chapter 2 discussing um, the responses to good news. And, and there's basically the good response to the good news the people who see it as good, people who see it as foolish, and people who see it as, as scandalous – And he kicks off the chapter talking about who the messenger is, in this case, is is Paul. Um, And Paul is an apostle. And and to us, nowadays, we hear the word apostle, and we sort of use it synonymously with um, disciple. But really, apostle means commissioner, delegate, messenger. It's someone who is sent on behalf of a higher authority to carry a message. Um, And so... um, Really, Paul is a messenger or a herald on behalf of God. And so the book kind of fleshes out, well, if, if this is if this is difference between news and advice, then a herald is is not bringing you the, the term that the book used that I really like was uh, uh, an option of an imperial experience like, hey, Tiberius is this guy that you might want to obey. It's like, no, uh, a herald says Tiberius is the emperor and now you need to live your life accordingly. Um, and so, so Paul, as the herald, um, comes, uh, comes along and he's, he's preaching, not an earthly king, but um, that the God of Israel became flesh, died for our sins, rose from the grave. And so we have, um, he, he uses uh, the text in 1 first, first Corinthians that talks about its foolishness for Gentiles. Uh, he talks about that it's a stumbling block for the Jews and he talks about those who are, who are, um, who are called that it is, uh, it is good news, um, uh, to them that it's in at the end of first Corinthians, he says it's righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And it's really our assurance of hope. And so that is in a nutshell, what, uh, chapter two is about. It's about our response and the different responses to the good news.
0: Yeah. And, and as, um, into I went through this chapter, there was something that caught my eye that I want us to maybe start our conversation with. And, and, you know, I think last week, uh, Dan, you're the one who gave us the overview of the chapter. And you mentioned how uh, Wright really only had one. He really only had one point and he just made the point six times over. He's continuing Mm -hmm. in that model again um, and saying that same point six more times. So, uh, but, but he kind of expounded or he expanded a little bit when he was talking about the the Jesus event, uh, and and it seems that you know the threefold event that um, is happening, Paul that you mentioned something has happened, uh, something will happen, and now this in between time is different. That there's there's uh, this like intermediate period, and as NT Wright talks about the gospel as this threefold event, it's Jesus lived, died, and rose again, in accordance with the scripture the scriptures, and he fully revealed the one true God um the, the intermediate period is he ascended and now the spirit is given to the church or to the disciples i guess he didn't ha- didn't well i mean well he did call him the church in matthew uh but jesus ascended and he gave the spirit to the disciples um who then continued uh the the church and the future event that we're all waiting for is jesus coming back to fully institute his kingdom and i that's a pretty like basic, uh, distillation of the New Testament, um, teaching. And I just kind of wanted to hand that over to you guys just based on your own backgrounds or your own thinking, how does the, that threefold event, does that fit well into your framework of gospel? How are you wrestling through how NT Wright is presenting the gospel?
2: Yeah, I think, um, that part also stood out to me cause that's like right near the end of the chapter, if I'm yeah. remembering right, Eric, um, I don't think there was anything kind of like we talked about last week, like there was nothing shocking about this chapter. Like it wasn't like at any point I was reading this and like, wow, I've never thought of that this way before, but it was, um, I, I guess it did kind of express some of the things that I've always thought in slightly different language that made it a little bit clearer, mm-hmm. you know? So that idea of, pairing the the past present and future with the idea of the trinity um was kind of an interesting interesting dynamic of you know like you said eric there's there's kind of the the past that jesus has come this event has happened there is the present of the the holy spirit and its work um in our lives today and then there is the coming reality of this god who will come and make all things right um and again like that's not Shocking information, but I I do think that that's that's kind of an interesting way of putting You know helping us kind of visualize not just um, Oh, yeah past present future but like how that ties into the biblical story and the arc of history um, That has been so important because that's one of the things he really hammered home in this chapter was how important that Context is and getting the context correct, you know in our understanding of words like um, Messiah That he talks about like that's not just you know we we sing songs like um or at least we do in 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 my church like jesus messiah and that's really just like jesus's last name sometimes like jesus christ like that's just that's just a name we have for him but it's actually a title and it, it means like anointed one and you know as as modern um western christians it's like well anointed like what does that actually mean um, but coming from a, a biblical perspective of you know the anointed king of Israel who um, you know it, it's identifying that that is the chosen person and that he is the chosen person from Israel which is a tribe of chosen people and 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 emphasizing that theme that you know God chooses, Um, a group of people or one person in particular so that through that group, through that person, he can bring salvation to everyone. Um, And that that the Messiah is the ultimate chosen person. Um, And and tying into that, that larger context. So we don't kind of get lost in, um, you know, he he pokes a lot of holes in kind of the vague, um, you know, heaven is just a way of, or, you know, the gospel is just a way of making sure you go to heaven when you die or it's, you know, moral suggestion that you should you know maybe consider living this way because you know there's some interesting ideas here and you might find it helpful it's like that's not the original context that the news is announced in and it's not the yeah. context we we should be viewing the news through now
1: um yeah i, I you know i didn't i didn't uh, see anything in there that made me uh, like kind of like you said nothing real surprising nothing real shocking just uh a really good and simple way to express um, what is a pretty broad and very long yeah. story, you know, um, and, and ultimately um, um, the, the story of the Bible is about how um, uh, again and again we fall short. And again and again, God is faithful in that Jesus is that anointed one, that uh, that second Adam. Um, And I think uh, I think uh, the the context piece is really key um, in that, you know, um, who this who the particular text was written to is very important to understand, um, because if not, you can you can grossly misunderstand what's happening in the scriptures. Uh, So if I read um, in Hosea where he says to go um, marry a harlot, and I think, okay, I need to go marry a harlot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, obviously that's a misunderstanding. He said something to him, and because God said something to Hosea, there is some truth in there for us, something that matters to us. And so... I think understanding that broader context of what is um, what is the news that yeah. Paul is telling to these people in the context of their culture and in the context of the language that they use is important to help us understand, you know, like that distinction between Messiah um, and and Jesus. It's not just another name for him. It's not just a, you know, his last name, like Daniel said. And the difference between, you know, apostle is not just a synonym. For a disciple it actually it actually was a word that was common in their in their language that they were applying for a specific purpose to to help people understand to help us understand really what's going on
0: yeah and i think it also clarifies um the it, it helps us clarify the role of the old testament for believers because if if we're looking at it through the lens of Christianity uh, provides good advice and Christianity is a religion amongst other religions that you can kind of choose from, you can kind of choose your own truth or buy into whatever truth you want. You know, and I think of the other uh, that uh, whatever, I don't know what it, what you'd call it a parable or analogy or whatever, where uh, they say that, uh, religions are like blind men who are touching an elephant and they're all touching a different part of the elephant. You know, when you treat Christianity as one of, of many options, various options, then the old Testament is like really disturbing because you're like, wait, so this God, like he wants, like, you know, we're looking at it through the lens of advice where all the mm-hmm. rules that are provided for us in the old Testament are now rules that like I'm actually expected to keep. And and that also means like for example rules uh, governing um for example like slavery now look like oh well god's per- he's, he's allowing he's permitting slavery right if we read it through the lens of advice we kind of take it at face value as advice rather than understanding it in the context uh, for example in the case of slavery since i brought it up like the rules that the that god gave the the israelites were actually quite liberating like they could you know, it was, they couldn't treat slaves poorly. They couldn't uh, beat them. They couldn't mistreat them, or they they had to be released, right? It was, like, actually quite liberating in the context of that that time. Um, But more importantly, as we, if we understand this as news, that Jesus has come, that the Messiah, uh, the Anointed One, has come, then we can understand the Old Testament not as advice, but as, pointing toward jesus we can understand it as paul talks about it in romans and in galatians that it's it's the the old testament the laws the way that god interacted with the israelites was incomplete and god was pointing them and getting them and and pushing them toward this moment in time where jesus came where uh you know i don't like like you said paul just because Hosea went and married a prostitute, that's not God saying that we should marry prostitutes, but he's he's pointing us toward and helping helping the Israelites and us now, you know, 2,500 years later, 2,700 years later, that we are, right? We are the prostitute. We're the ones who are unfaithful. Uh, we're the ones who kind of, you know, we pour ourselves out to whatever we, you know, whatever we think is attractive or good. Um, if we can understand in the context of the bigger story, then we can see that the Old Testament points us to Jesus. It actually helps us frame uh, even all of Scripture in a better light, that we're not looking at it through the lens of advice, but through the lens of an event. It's pointing toward an event that's coming in the future um, that, and, that helps solve some of those issues.
1: And it, You know, I was having a, a conversation with someone recently um, about, Uh, kind of a, I don't know if this is a new term, but it was a newer term to me um, called uh, moralistic therapeutic deism, Uh. um, which is essentially uh, a big word to explain looking at the Old Testament and Bible stories um, as advice rather than pointing towards good news in an event. Um, And that if you look at the, if you look at Bible stories like the story of a um, story of David, you know, at least when I was in Sunday school growing up, it was like, hey, you should do these things just like David did. Oh, except for the Bathsheba thing, <laughs> like <laughs> do, every, do everything David did, but the Bathsheba except thing for that. And then and you'll be fine. You'll be OK. And that's not the that's not the point of what that's about. Right. The point of that is about how even David, this great man who could slay lions and giants and bears with his bare hand and maybe one of the greatest leaders in all of history still couldn't save himself and still needed that event that messiah
0: right that's right he may be a messiah but he's not the messiah he may be anointed to be the king uh, but he is not the yeah that's exactly right the moralistic therapeutic deism uh shout out to zach fleming mcpherson kansas um he's the one that i i heard that term first from so it's been around for a number of years uh, but essentially um and i can't remember who did it but it it, you know the the theory is that uh americans operate um and understand religion as uh their the religion of choice is moralistic therapeutic deism which it's deism so there's some sort of higher power Uh, it's moralistic that it teaches you what to do how to behave and it's therapeutic, meaning that it helps you feel better about yourself and the world around you. Um, so pretty much, American Christianity has been boiled down to moralistic, like behavioral, um, therapeutic, uh, agnosticism, some sort of broader deism. Yeah. But I certainly think that that's where advice leads us.
2: Well, and it's it's that's also so based on feelings too. Like I can feel right, right. good about oh. Yeah, it's moralistic and it's therapeutic, so I I can feel good about it, you know, yeah. like like yeah. get ordering a diet soda with your um you know supersized <laughs> Chinese Big <Buffet>. Mac meal, <laughs> like yeah, like I can feel good about this now because you know I've I've got the um I've got the diet soda, but yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think that like um to go back to the idea of um, the responses, because I think that's that's yeah. really the big idea in this chapter that they're talking about. Um, you know, it. It seems like. You know, he kind of highlights um, the passage in Corinthians where Paul is talking about, like, it's foolishness to um, the the, the, or the Gentiles and stumbling blocks to the Jews, the the way that he kind of phrased it. um in i think it's like on on page 30 of the book um is that paul isn't asking people to fit two or three awkward and incredible things into their existing view of the world he has told them the most awkward and incredible thing you can imagine in the sure knowledge that this creates its own new world um and and that's where i think that that difference comes is if we are viewing christianity as one option out of many and i was actually just talking to my uh, supervisor at work today about this idea um she was asking me like if I, um, you know, if if I could ever be um, led to believe like other religions. Mm. And I was like, I, I mean, I think there are beneficial ideas in other religions. Um, I don't think that like they don't have anything to teach us. But I think that the difference comes because Christianity is true. And right. that there is a, <laughs> a fundamental yeah. fact to it. And yeah. that there is a, a provable historical reality. Um, right. and that, so it doesn't matter like, oh, what I think about the teachings because it's just, it's true. And, and that yeah. by experiencing Christianity, by believing Christianity, you are not just adding on the parts that you like from the new Testament and the things that Jesus says and some of the proverbs sure. maybe, cause they're pretty wise into what you already believe. You are changing the way you see the world to live in this new reality because you're recognizing that the reality I live in is actually different because it's news. It's not advice and opinion.
1: You know?
0: Yeah. And I think that's
1: that. So go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, um, one of the things I did to kind of help me wrap my mind a little bit better about the difference between news and advice is I went and I looked back at what are the, what's the, what's the root of those two words? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Latin root, I'm probably not going to say this right, okay, but um, the Latin root. I, I won't
0: know the difference, so I, okay. I won't make fun
1: of you. Sweet. One of them I, I'll know for sure, but one of them is a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, so the Latin root for uh, advice is videre, V-I-D-E-R-E. I believe that you say it, videre. Um, and it, it's where we get um, words like vision and evident. Um, but the root for news is NOVA, and that's where we get words like uh, innovate or renovate. And so um, advice is very much based on um, me and what I'm seeing and, and my perspective. It's individualistic, whereas um, good news is narrative by nature because it is innovative. It, it renovates. It's something brand new within that broader context. And I liked, I liked the C.S. Lewis quote that he used in the book where he talks about um, he believes in Christianity in the same way he believes in the sunrise, not only because he has seen it, but because by it he can now see everything else. And so, it, you know, advice is kind of like, um, I, I would say advice is kind of like uh, braille or seeing eye dog to a blind person. And good news is new eyes.
0: You know, I think that we see that pretty clearly in, in what Dan was referencing, you know, the story that he told, which, dude, props for, you know, props for going there uh, in that conversation. Because it's, it, you know, it's true that, you know, every other I don't know and I feel like I have a pretty firm, I have a pretty good grasp, and, and I and I think a generous and gracious grasp on uh, the main ideas, the main narrative around uh, the world religions, like uh, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Christianity. Like I think that I have a pretty firm, uh, I have I have a, a pretty good understanding of those um, uh, religions, at least comparatively, and and the, the way that I understand them. Christianity' is the only one that can say and not many Christians would say this um, at least not American Christians that I that I know uh, but Christianity is the only one that has an event that if that event didn't happen, then it's all foolishness that it's not true that it's that there's no reason to do any of it. Um, with the rest of them, you know maybe except for Islam, you know, if there's no prophet Muhammad, Uh, then maybe the tenets of Islam would would dissolve a little bit or or crumble a little bit. But Christianity is the only one that, like, we stake our claim on an event, a historical event that actually happened 2,000 years ago, that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried, and on the third day, on Sunday, his body was not in the tomb anymore. And hundreds of people saw him alive after he died if if the resurrection didn't happen then paul himself says we're we're we should be despised we should be pitied we are the most pitiful of people if this didn't happen if the resurrection um didn't happen so it's it's something concrete uh which is different than the other religions of the world which is why i like I'm glad that you brought that up, Paul. I didn't know that about um, the roots of those words that, you know, uh, and, and I think even in the case of, for example, Buddhism, you literally can add Buddhism to other things. Like it doesn't demand any particular belief about metaphysical belief. It's a system of being. It's a system of behaving and responding to the world um, that you can add it onto things. Um, and it's completely internal. Same thing with uh, you know Islam's the same way that you're the expectation is that you have this internal uh, that that the witness is within you that you submit to Allah uh, because of your experience with him it's not rooted in an event that has actually happened that changes the world Um, and so there's a term for it that I can't remember on the top of my head but anyway but that's Several years ago, uh, Ken Ham, who's the uh, um, the creation scientist, uh, which he's not my favorite person in the world, and that whole like answers in Genesis is not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, but he debated Bill Nye, and it was evolution uh, and creationism debate. And at one point, um, Bill Nye said, "Is there anything that uh, would change your mind?" And Ken Ham said, "No." And I like. I didn't have hair at that time. But if I had hair, I would, I would pull <laughs> it out because that is not biblical. Like what Ken Ham said there is not biblical. Paul himself says that if this isn't true, then the whole thing is not true. That if you can prove, if you could find Jesus's body, you know, in Palestine right now, it would disprove Christianity completely. But we're it's an event. It's a concrete event. I think that's what makes it different. Um, and that helps, Paul, the uh, the the new new way of seeing uh, the renovation or the innovation versus um, the kind of vision, right? The, uh, or what was the other one? The, vid- the evident. Yeah, yeah. evident. Yeah, evident.
1: It's all based on me and what I see versus right. what is true regardless of, of what I think or what I see or how I feel about it.
0: And
2: that, that is what makes Christianity such a stumbling block as, you know— uh, Paul refers to it in Corinthians, that like yeah. there is an event and it is like either you are, you you believe that that event happened or you believe that, you know, it's it's all a historical lie and or whatever, but like you have to grapple with the event. You have to right. come to terms with it, you know, in some way. There's no way to get around it, be like, oh yeah, Jesus was a good teacher or, you know, right. because you are confronted with this is an established historical reality. Right. What What are you going to do with that?
0: Yeah. yeah. And if and if he did raise himself up, if he predicted his death and resurrection, and then pulled it off, we should listen to him <laughs> when he talks about right. things like marriage and sex and finances and how to live. Like you know, and I like what How N.T. Wright talks about it. He says that that the Christianity does include things like morals. But Christianity is not, at its root, a moral system. It is, it is a, it is good news. It is a recognition and an affirmation of something that has happened. And there are certainly more moral inspirations to that event. Um, but it is not a system of getting people to behave a certain way. It's not behavior modification. Uh, behavior changes, but that's not what that's not the root of of the Christian faith
1: the purpose of it is not to make you live a good life right because it actually teaches the exact opposite that you're not capable no one there's only one who is good right and jesus said why do you call me a good teacher there's one who's good right that's
0: right
2: yeah and at the same time of exposing that of like oh yeah i i cannot live this life a, a good life i cannot live up to this standard it also inspires you with this hope of you don't need to do that on your own because christ has already accomplished that so at the same time that it 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 forces you to die to this hope of oh i can accomplish this on my own it gives you a new better hope that it's already done christ has already accomplished that and you are now free to participate in that new reality that
0: was impossible before right Uh, which is why into you right which i'm glad that he spent some time talking about this how the the gospel is transmitted by the proclamation of that good news is that you are, you are giving someone, you are giving, you are giving people something to have faith in, right? That the spirit is actually, the Holy spirit's actually given by the proclamation of the good news. And that's something for us to put our faith in. It's not just a, and this is, this is kind of a particular, I don't know if it's particularly Lutheran, but it's certainly the Lutheran understanding is that faith is not just belief but it's actually it's a trust in something that god has said about us that there is that the thing that god has said about us is you do not need to climb the ladder anymore the ladder has come down to you which is why jesus says you know um uh to uh nathaniel he says you'll see angels ascending and descending on the son of man that's jacob's ladder that's attaching heaven to earth Jesus is – he has come down to earth, and we no longer have to live a good life because Jesus already did that. He already accomplished everything that needed to be accomplished, and uh, now we can have faith in him and step into that reality of the accomplished good work that he has done in us. And so I think I'm glad that it talked about that. That's why the proclamation is the thing that actually gives faith. Because it's a thing that we can have faith in, um, and Paul talks about that in Romans 10. He says, "How can how can people uh, believe if they have not heard, and how can they hear if there's if they ha- don't have a preacher sent to them?" Um, so it's actually from the from a sinful tongue, proclaiming the good news to sinful ears that faith the Spirit actually enters into someone and produces faith in them to believe in that thing, which is just like talk about foolishness. <laughs> talk about a foolish method of, of transfer
2: yeah it's not a great uh, business model
0: oh, it's, <laughs> terrible, it's terrible man
2: but at this at the same time it's so like once you've experienced it you know he talks about that that like when you have that act of experiencing it it changes everything right, Yeah. That, like it, it makes sense of the world you know he everything. says that yeah he says like um it's a world that then makes sense of every other aspect of the world from farming and fishing to politics and philosophy from love and laughter to history and hope um that all of a sudden everything else makes more sense right. and right. you know he talks about like the the recognition of the the um the temples and the idols and all of these things that um you know paul was writing to the 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 Thessalonians about. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, those things are not right. real. Like, those things uh-huh. do not capture the the true story of the nature of this world the way that, you know, this Jewish man who's dead and is apparently alive again.
0: Yeah, and that's that's exactly like that C.S. Lewis quote that Paul referenced earlier, is that by by it, we can see everything. Like, suddenly it's not foolish, which is that 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2, where... To spiritual people, it's wisdom where, oh, of course, of course God would use faith. Of course God would would give us the, the personal presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, of course, this is the, the mode that he would use because everything else has failed. Human attempts have failed. And so something needs to change within us. Um, it becomes wisdom for for spiritual people, but for unspiritual people. Uh, for people who don't have the Holy Spirit who haven't come to the faith um, it's, it seems silly so hold him up where I, yeah, so I want to uh, Maybe we can talk specifically about some of the ways that, you know, we've talked about uh, briefly uh, some of the historical Jewish response um, as as it being scandalous, right? The cross being a scandalous thing. The the Messiah is not supposed to be not supposed to die. Um, it's supposed to be an eternal kingdom, and so they see the cross and they think it's scandal. Uh, to the Romans, um, being told that there's only one God would be foolishness, because of course there are hundreds of gods that dominate our life. Um, there's some historical response foolishness and scandal um but but i guess i'm i guess i'm wondering how do people today respond Uh, what are some of the responses that we see today how is it foolishness to some people or scandalous to others um maybe we could we could spend some time discussing um first century uh people i i
1: think um starting in the church um and we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, but it is it is a a scandalous thing in the church a lot of times to say, no, this is the truth, and it really doesn't matter what you think about it or how you feel about it, it's true regardless of of your thoughts or opinions on it. And that's a scandalous thing to say in the church. A lot of times, you know, just in a, in a Bible study or a small group context. But then to take that out into a world that says things like, you know, speak your truth to power or what is your truth or whatever's true for you. Um, and to say, well, you're not the author of truth. <laughs> you don't get yeah. to decide what's true and what's not true. Is it is a pretty scandalous is a pretty scandalous idea. In our culture, in a very humanistic culture where we worship ourselves, we worship the individual, we elevate the individual to the level of God, um, to say that no, you're actually not in charge. Um, God, God is the authority, and um, and what comes along with that truth that of of Christ in the gospel is that um, you're not a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a sinner. You've fallen. You can't make it on your own. Um, And especially in a, in a do it yourself culture, you know, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps culture. Uh, Maybe a phrase you've heard muttered around your church before I've heard it (laughs) is God helps those who help themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be scandalous to say to that, no, you, you really can't help yourself that much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, I think that's a good impulse, and I would say maybe I would, you know, as I as I think about it, maybe tweak it a little bit. And I would say I think that the cross itself is the scandalous part, um, which would be what what you said, Paul. And to the world, um, taking the way of weakness is scandalous. Being told that in a world that constantly tells us and and constantly pushes onto us self-help style, uh, behavior modification of you have everything you need. You are good enough, um, to be told you're not good enough is scandalous. And of course, you know, people have used that kind of thing, um, for nefarious purposes, right? Obviously, you know, oftentimes that's how like gaslighting and, and, uh, you know, uh, emotional abuse, um, you know, that's been twisted. um, but in a but it's also quite freeing in a in inside the gospel in a gospel context mm-hmm. um, being told uh you are not good enough and that's okay uh that it's okay to be weak it's okay to be um it, it's in fact it's, sometimes it's even okay to be faithless because that's uh as as god told paul um my strength is made perfect in your weakness uh that in fact Sometimes the things that we think make us not great are the things that God is actually using um, to enter into our lives. And uh, in Lutheranism, we call this being a theologian of the cross. That it's, there's a cruciform that we have a cross-shaped life, um, which makes we have to go the way of humility and of we have to go the way of weakness in order to um, experience fullness of life. I think that's scandalous, right? Um, and I think that the foolishness is the, is exactly what you mentioned at, at the top, uh, which is the exclusivity, you know, saying, you know, this happened. Uh, Jesus was resurrected and there were witnesses and we're told, we have lots of historical evidence of named witnesses who saw this and went to their deaths for this thing. Um, and Jesus said that he is the way, that he's the truth. Uh, that no one can get to the Father except through Him. That He is—it is an exclusive um, kind of thing that He's doing. I think that's foolishness to the world because they would say, "You know," and I guess it is kind of scandalous too. Uh, you know, how dare you say that? Or people just dismiss it as uh, medieval religion. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that—that that those are—that um, you—you certainly nailed it there, uh, Paul, um, in those identifying those two things. Yeah, I
2: think that, I mean, in answer to the question of, like, how, how do people in the 21st century respond to it is, I don't think they do respond to it. I think it just gets so minimized that, like, we kind of take the gospel and we, because it has become advice and it has become kind of these, you know, vague moral teachings, um, it's not really something that has to be reckoned with. And so I can just be kind of aware of it on the periphery of my life. And kind of draw from it whatever feel good, um, you know, ideas that I, I, want, but I don't have to really reckon with it. It doesn't, it's not a real thing that I have to deal with in terms of the coming reality of, of, um, you know, Christ's return and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I've, you know, I, you, uh, you know, we talked about the um, the therapeutic deism, and you used Eric. I think you used the word like agnostic to describe that. And I think there are a lot of agnostics in the world today. Um, and I've I've heard agnostics described as um, the lazy man's atheist. Yeah. Because it's like you you're not reckoning with things. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Pierce Hawthorne of Community. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you're not dealing with things you're just like yeah it could be any of these options i'm not really going to dig into and exploring any of them at any depth to figure out what is true i'm just going to recognize that i don't really know and then stop there instead of letting that kind of spur you forward into continued um you know investigation and continue you know thinking through those things and and wrestling with those ideas and i think that that is Somewhat different than the context that the gospel would have originally been preached in, in, you know, that first century AD, the Roman Empire, when people had gods and they, 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 and I think we, we have gods now, but those are gods of like money and power and wealth and things that we do not consciously worship I mean, we do worship them, but it's not a conscious I'm going to the temple today to, you know, worship Athena. It's well, I'm going to like go buy a new car because I need a display of status to show that like I am a successful individual in America. Mm -hmm. And I think those are both equally forms of worship, but we don't we have so divorced like our our day to day lives from the spiritual reality. And so, you know, when we're dealing with Christianity with the gospel, it's so easy to just put that into that marginalized, you know, kind of spiritual, vague. I don't really have to think about it because it's not my day to day life.
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah. that's a really good point, Daniel, because it, it's it's kind of making me rethink my answer a little bit, because <laughs> um, to say, how are people responding Implies that we're presenting it in a way that requires them to respond.
0: Response, sure. All
1: right. And so, yes, it would be scandalous if I told somebody who <laughs> was relativistic in nature yeah. that no, your truth is largely irrelevant. Um, but in reality, I'm having very few of those conversations and I look for opportunities to have those conversations. <laughs> so, um, in the broader, on the broader church spectrum, are we really, are we really putting ourselves in a position to have to reckon with that stuff? And it kind of makes me think a lot about how, um, we, we treat, so I, you know, I've got little kids, so that's a big context for me. And I think a lot of times we treat church and religion in that advice vein, um, like, it, like, uh, like it's part of a well-rounded upbringing. Right. right. So you got, you've got your education, you've got soccer, you got your Sunday school, you got your gymnastics and your piano lessons, whatever it is, and you're developing this well-rounded uh, individual um, so that they can then go out into society and be successful and live. Right successful lives. I remember having a conversation with a co-worker a few years ago. Um, and I, from the outset, let me say, this is not a, a plug for homeschooling or a you need to do this because it's the absolute right thing. This is just the context of our conversation. And he was he was saying, you know, why is it that you um, you want to homeschool? And, and I said, well, because at the end of the day, for me, my child's ability to do math is is secondary or their ability to earn six figures is secondary to their christian faith and their christian walk and so in the context of my family and in the context of what my wife and i have considered we feel like what's best for spiritual development is to at least start them at a place where we can gear everything towards the, the context of Christianity, and and we're not trying to create these well-rounded individuals that fit perfectly into society. I'm trying to create disciples. Yeah. You know, and if you if you think about that, the disciples were men that Jesus loved dearly, and all but one of them ended up being martyrs.
0: Yeah.
1: That is very different than I want to raise my kids so that they don't grow up to be a garbage man but that they grow up to you know they can they can you know make six figures and and live in the gated community or whatever it is right you know Uh, where
2: it almost becomes like a classical education you know almost like you're like you said like a well-rounded you know holistic kind of a thing but where spirituality
1: is just one aspect of that right and 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 it is it is great to learn and to be educated. We should do that because God God put us here on this earth, and He He told us to have dominion over it, which means that we need to understand how it how it works and how things operate. Um, but that's not the ultimate goal.
0: One of the one of the gods of our time in our in our space here is utilitarianism, that things need to be useful. Mm. Uh, which I think mm. people approach Christianity from that lens a lot. Of like, well, what good do you do? Um, and they kind of treat uh, churches as uh, service organizations, like the United Way or the YWCA, or you know. And they're like, well, what good do you, what what goods do you give and what services do you provide um, to those in need? And that's the question that gets presented to to the church. And that's the lens that people people see the church see the the church through. And certainly churches should do those things. Uh, we're we're mandated to uh, do those things. Um, but that is uh, at the end of the day, the churches are not utilitarian uh, organizations, right? Um, we are proclaiming the good news, and and people take that utilitarian worship. Um, Really, really to the end where they they don't look to God to uh, guide us into caring for our neighbor, but they go to the government to be the one who cares for our neighbor or they go to big business and businesses to be the one, you know, to to care for our neighbor or to be responsible for the caring of our neighbor. And so, you know, you on the political spectrum. Right. But at the end of the they're on either side. Uh, but at the end of the day, we look towards some someone or something other than God to do something and to make our lives better. So it's very like, it has a, has a, it's, you know, quote unquote practical operation in the world today. Um, That's certain. uh, I think that's certainly a God in our context. Um, So I think that you're right that like, when we're like, Hey, you know, it's really, um, it's, it's really important to pray like it's really important to connect with god and to know him to meditate on the scriptures and you know what you you're still going to be a sucky person tomorrow <laughs> like you're you're still you're still going to be like you're still going to act like trash sometimes but it's important for you to do those things uh because change will happen eventually uh but it's not a it's not a you know it's not six steps to a better life you know, that's not what we're presenting to people. Um, although certainly a better life does happen, um, and people can find fulfillment and can, um, do their work, uh, if that's making six figures and, you know, man, God bless people who I, uh, our lead pastor here, um, uh, he says it. he says this, and I think it's really funny. Um, I, I don't know how theologically accurate it is, but it does seem, uh, true that, uh, that some people have the spiritual gift of making money hand over fist, that it's just like whatever they do, whatever they touch, like makes just a ridiculous amount of money, super successful business people. And, you know, God bless those people. And I, and I pray that they make lots of money and they give lots of money. Uh, you know, then there are going to be some people who are like, you mentioned Paul garbage, garbage men. And like, man, I hope that one of my kids is a garbage person because they're really important to our society. Right. Like, you know, but those things are all secondary, whether we're making $50,000 as a union welder or $500,000 as an owner of, uh, you know, business. Those things are all secondary, you know, because the Christian life does not fit into a mold of do these things and you will live well. And you will have a successful "quote unquote" successful life. Um, It's actually quite the opposite that uh, Christianity is cross-shaped; that it takes us to places of weakness, Um, and we may still be very successful in the world, um, but certainly it 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 forces us to be humble um, and to approach God with humility.
2: Yeah, and humility is such a such an antithetical thing to the way that the world operates um, currently. You know, like uh, Paul was saying, you know, you want to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, make something of yourself. And it's all about, um, you know, what I've accomplished and the hard work that I've put in. And, you know, we should be proud of those accomplishments. And it's like, yeah, but, um, you know, for a, a, a Christianity that calls its, its people to die to themselves right. and to, you know, to model themselves after a God who in the ultimate act of humility became a human being who humbled himself and died. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and died as a human being in a a horribly, you know, humiliating way. Yeah. Totally. Um, Like that's who we're called to mirror our lives after. Yeah. Um, And that, that's, you know, that in itself is a, is a radical idea.
0: Any other thoughts or impressions from this chapter? Anything that jumped out to you guys that, uh, we maybe haven't talked about or discussed that we might, might want to spend some time on.
2: Um, well, there was a, there was one quote I, I really liked.
0: Um,
2: I highlighted in, from the chapter, um, Paul used the world word herald to talk about his own vacation vocation of announcing the good news about Jesus. It wasn't like someone offering people a new type of torch or flashlight, as we would say in America, uh, so they could see better in the dark. Uh, um, he was like someone saying that the sun had risen and that if you would only open the curtains, you would see that you didn't uh-huh. need torches anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, harps on that point that we've been talking about of the you know, advice yeah. versus the news. But it's not just like, oh, here's a new novel idea. Here's a new way of seeing the world. It's you no, know, the sun has risen. Turn off the torches. <laughs> like yeah. it's time to it's time to live.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if I can if I can go full circle back to, you know, toward the beginning of the podcast where I talked about comparative religion, treating Christianity along with all of the religions where it's like blind men touching an elephant and one blind man touching the leg and it's like, oh, it's a tree. Another blind man is touching the trunk and is like, oh, it's a snake. And one blind man is touching the tail and it's like, oh, it's a paintbrush. You know, Christianity <laughs> is, is the person who's like, hey, the elephant told me what it is. It's an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to grope it anymore. It, it's, it's talking to us. Um, and you're about that, to get crushed by it. You, by the yeah, way, it's <laughs> going to <laughs> it's gonna stomp all over you if you don't back up. Um, yeah, that's right. So it's, it like it helps us be like, oh, we don't need all this kind of like silly, false, um, you know, whatever popular level self-help anymore because it's we're no longer forced into this paradigm of i need to be make i need to like make myself worthy or make myself better or uh i have to be able to handle every situation it it yeah it's the sun that shows us hey we don't need flashlights anymore hey we're this is an elephant It, it told us what it is
1: yeah yeah i liked i liked the this quote from the book um this the description of Paul's message and how it worked will come as a surprise to many people in the modern Western world. There are two reasons for this. The first is that people often use the word God as if it always meant the same thing, mm. um, but th- that's just the point. It doesn't. The second is that people often imagine the main purpose of Christianity is to get is is to be getting people to heaven and teaching them to behave along the way, or perhaps getting them to behave in such a way that they will get to heaven. That is a gross distortion as I, that's a nice summary of that. The, the gospel is not a means of getting you to behave. Yeah. Because if it was a means of getting you to behave, then we've got a long trail of martyrs that were misbehaving people.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that we have a
1: difficulty <laughs> totally. explaining. Yeah. And, and that is, that is the point that, Christ died, was buried, and was resurrected, and because of that, I now live a life on a completely different trajectory um, because of that fact. Because of that good news, I'm headed in a completely different direction, and that will be scandalous, that will be foolish, but to some, that will be good.
0: It's good. It's certainly freeing, right, to know that God doesn't depend on me, like whether or not whether or not I believe or don't believe, whether or not I have faith or don't have faith, whether or not I act well or don't act well, like God is still God and Jesus is still risen. And you're yeah. like, oh man, I, I actually really don't matter. <laughs> and that's yeah. that's kind of freeing to know, oh, this thing has happened despite me. And it's a, it's a gift now, it's given over to me, it's been proclaimed to me. Um, and I can trust in this Jesus, uh, he it doesn't require my behavior modification on the front end. It doesn't require me to to have have everything right before he lets me in. Um, it's simply the proclamation. This has been done for you. Um, this is my body broken for you. Right. It's this is my blood shed for you and your forgiveness. Like it's a promise giving over given over to us. Um, Jesus has made us right and is welcoming and ushering us into his kingdom. Uh, despite ourselves it's that's really quite i mean it's quite freeing for me thought good news
1: yeah
0: yeah it's good <laughs> news it actually is good news
1: i find myself echoing the prayer of the of the of the father of the demon-possessed boy where he says you know you know jesus says anything's possible if you believe or i'm probably misquoting yeah, that right, right but his response is um you know uh, i believe help me with my unbelief
0: yeah, mm. that's a good place to be. <laughs> uh, well, good guys, thanks for the excellent conversation. This is great. Thank you guys. <laughs> thanks, Dan. Thanks, Paul, for um, hanging out tonight, uh, having a great conversation. Yeah,
2: it's always a pleasure. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Thanks. Cool guys.
0: All right, thank you guys for listening. Um, and we will catch you next week. Bye.